0: Hey gents, welcome back to Apex Masculinity. You're in the right place. I'm your host, Nick Chantos. Guys, today with me is my guest, Mike Bogey. Him and I work together in the oil field running specialized equipment. Mike's been in management positions before in his career. He's a real estate investor, husband of seven years, father of five. Mike, glad to have you on, how you doing? I'm good, thanks for having me on. Yeah, excited to be here. Awesome. So me and Mike work together out here in this oil field in North Dakota. And every once in a while, we'll get some downtime or some uh, time to just chit chat while we're waiting for jobs to kick off and whatnot. And we've had these really good conversations about not only personal growth and development, but just, just things that we're learning about ourselves, things that we're learning about life. And a few of these conversations we've had I've always regretted that I didn't have my phone on record because I knew that they would make great podcast episodes. And one of these conversations in particular started out, um, as these rules for introverts that Mike's been working on. But as we got to discuss them and he began to unpack them for me, we realized that these are genuine good rules across the board for anyone just trying to be more self-aware and uh, add value to the world and to people around them. So actually, Mike, we're just gonna get right into the rules. Um, um, we'll just kind of open up and tell us how you got started, like why you were even writing, why you were even writing the rules, why why you were making notes and why you thought it would be a
1: good idea to keep track of this stuff. Okay, so early on in life, I started out uh, a third of six children, um, And I was homeschooled, so they were pretty much my only peers. Um, And I was too young, you know, classic middle child syndrome. I was too young to hang out with the older kids. I was too old for any of the crap that the other kids... um, I was too old for any of the crap that the younger kids wanted to do. So I kind of got left out of all all their stuff. But the the thing about that, though, is... um, I was homeschooled. So the only peers that I had at, at that really formative time between like three and eight years old um, was my siblings. Right. And they basically were rejecting me. So once I got out into the real world, the playground, the the scouts, my, my parents had us play sports and I don't really like sports that much, but um, they had us playing sports and stuff. And and because I missed that formative Connectivity. Mm-hmm. I just I kept missing it. I kept being a little bit behind all growing up. I never got to make those connections. They weren't natural to me. And uh, fast forward through middle school, high school, and all that stuff. I was the loner. I got picked on, bullied, and one of the things that you write about, Nick, is your your awakening moment. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have that until I was full grown all the way through made all my mistakes had my awakening moment as a full-grown adult and i'd never made any real connections with people right if if i met somebody and i even friends if i if we moved away or moved apart or it became slightly inconvenient to be around each other the relationship was just over like because there was no there was no true deep connection right and it, it it created this depression that started probably around the time I was 13 and it never went away. And um, that's around the time that I started binge eating, mostly sugar. But anytime I got extra money, I'd go down to the candy store, and, you know, buy as much as I could afford and eat it all within like two hours and just, you know, get as sugar high as I could. Because when you're sugar high as a kid, yeah. you're, you're happy. It's, it's liberating. It's yeah. freeing and uh uh anyway so that was my first experience with really medicating my pain away right. and since then it hasn't been really about medicating the pain away it's about medicating whatever it is but mm-hmm. med- medicating the addiction itself but anyways you move forward to you know 10 15 years later and i realize you know, this is pointless. There's no reason to go on. And Mm -hmm. if if you're not making connections with other people, if you're not able to be cared about and care about others, what's, what's even the point. Mm -hmm. And so I was actually planning on committing suicide. Mm -hmm. And the, the only thing about committing suicide is if you die, you can't do anything else. But if you do something else first, you can always, you know, pull the trigger, jump off the cliff later. Right. right? (laughs) (laughs) So I decided to reach out and I told my mom, and she's like, Oh, well, you know, we all get sad sometimes. And I'm like, Mm. I'm gonna go drive off a cliff. And she's like, Whoa, 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 whoa. And so she called somebody and we I was able to actually talk to a therapist, sort some stuff out, figured out that my addiction, my addiction to sugar Mm. is it just smothers my emotions. Sure. And so in order to really access those emotions and start doing stuff, you know, I I had to stop the sugar. And then it opened up the door to trying to connect with others again. And I still didn't have that. And uh, I didn't think I ever would because you got introverts, right, and antisocial people. And If somebody says introvert, they hear antisocial Right. or antisocial equals introvert, introvert. And that's what I thought. I thought this is the way I'm always going to be. I'm never going to be able to connect to people, Mm -hmm. but I really, 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 really want to. Yeah. So if I can't do it, I'm going to fake it. Right. (laughs) So I'm going to go study the people that everybody wants to be around. Okay. And I'm going to see what they do. There you go. And I'm going to copy it. Okay. And, uh is there anything wrong with that if yes like, even when you're just getting started <laughs> no well not not if, if it if it has an end result uh, of because it's more like a scientific study
0: right you're trying to figure out why people like people or why people want to connect with people not so that you can ultimately mirror them and be a carbon copy of them but just so you can figure the science
1: out of why people like other people right actually i'm gonna i'm gonna take my my answer back and i'm gonna say, it's not a problem if you want to learn to just fake it. But it's less fulfilling and it's uh, way, way more work. Sure. It's sure. so exhausting. Going to a party and doing the things that other people do, it just wiped me out. Right. Just didn't feel genuine, disingenuous, felt disingenuous. And really sensitive people are on to you about that. So when you, when you go see somebody mm. and they are the kind of person that you actually want to connect with. Yeah. They're going to latch onto that kind of, there's just something that's not quite right about this guy. I yeah. don't trust him. Right. And then you move your separate ways.
0: They're intuitive in the sense that they can tell maybe you're trying too hard and it just
1: comes off as fake.
0: Maybe. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Okay.
1: And okay. Even, even now I get that sometimes because yeah. people just aren't ready for me to genuinely say, hi, how are you? Right. And really mean, how are you? how you've been, like, what's been going on in your life, you know, I really want to know. Yeah. So we're, uh, let's see, where were we? Um, Faking it. Oh, yeah. So I decided I'd fake it. So I looked at my one of my good friends at the time, who liked me for some reason, you know, he kept me around because we liked board games together. (laughs) And uh, he was really good at board games. And we'd always get frustrated at each other. But I looked at him and he talked a lot. Okay. He like he could just he could say stuff and blah 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 never stop talking. Uh-huh. He always had something to say, but it was always interesting, and everybody was just like just wanted to do whatever he said. Sure. And so I started talking a lot. Uh, it doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> if you just if you fill the air with words, right, right, they lose value. They have no value. So, sure. right. um. I really started looking at like, I I had a boss at purity. I had my uh, brother, Jim, um, a buddy out here that I met, uh, Jeff, like each person that I respected that I met, I would take something away from that Mm -hmm. and I would turn it into, I would boil it down. I would analyze it for days and days and days and just boil it down. to Like what, what, what's the little thing Mm -hmm. that they're doing? that I can do, that I can, I can make one little sentence and do it. And, uh, so the, the first one I learned is actually rule number two, because, um, the, the rule number one is the most important rule and that is to add value to others. Okay. So before we get into the rules, let's talk about why we're giving the rules. Yes. Okay. So these rules
0: are to help people. To be able to connect with others? Yeah, to connect genuinely.
1: Okay, to connect genuinely with other people. Yeah, because if if you're by yourself, like the way I see this is you are an organism of trillions of cells, right? Correct. Every cell does its own thing, but connects everything together to be you. But you can connect in a similar way to other people. And the more people you can connect with and gather around you yourself, the better you can become like, or like the more potential you have to excel in basically every facet of your life. Yeah. So for, for example, um, I call it selection. You can select who your friend is, but if, if, uh, you were me when I was 13. I had nobody. If yeah. somebody if somebody came along and said, yeah, I'll be your friend, I'm going to latch on to them. Right. Like nobody's business because, oh, they're giving me the time of the day. They're right. validating me. Sure. That adds value to me. Right. It doesn't matter if they're the local meth dealer. Right. I could have fallen into that Like mm-hmm. like that if I had found it. Right. And,
0: uh, or if it had found you, if
1: it had found me, exactly. Yeah. I was, it was lucky that I was sheltered the way that I was and right. I only found the sugar. Right. Because I would have latched onto the first person that gave me the time of day. Sure. But sure. when you're able to connect with more people, you can connect genuine, genuinely with people and you say, oh, that Nick Chantos guy, that guy's really intense, but he's got something to say and he's got value to me. Let's see if I can add value to him, and then right. you kind of bridge that gap right. and see if you can uh, if you can make a deeper connection. Right. And so,
0: so before we speed fast track
1: mm-hmm.
0: down the train of these rules, because everybody's going to get good value out of what these rules are, uh-huh. I like to go deep and go way back and kind of slowly unpack. We got plenty of time. Okay. Like I can restart this thing. Uh, I get 30 can minutes on my fast. No, 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 no. We're doing good. <laughs> we're doing good. Um, no, I'm glad you called me, bro. Cause I'm just hanging out today and I had, two potential podcast interviews that were kind of shaping up to maybe take off today. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you and I both know, man, like I worked six straight days this week, almost hit 70 hours. And like, I was just cashed all day today. Yeah, So I'm it's very exhausting. thankful that you called me. Mm-hmm. And it was almost like a reminder because I know we had been talking about doing this. And we did talk about Sunday at seven and it just got by me. And I was like, you know what? That'll be great, man. So And I was so um, nervous.
1: I almost didn't call you oh really i'm glad you did bro i was i was like man we just have to do this (laughs) yes no out of your comfort zone This has to happen yes this is so worth it to me because there is something truthful about these things and i've discovered them and i have a responsibility now to share them with whoever i can whoever is willing to listen
0: yep yep and there'll be plenty of people that do but i want to ask you So I'm going to use this word social awkwardness. Okay. Okay. You didn't use it. And I don't don't want to be offensive with it, but it almost sounded like the bubble or the vacuum that you were living in Mm -hmm. and not having any social interactions except with your siblings. And you had said those weren't really good necessarily relationships in the sense where. You know, I think you even said they didn't like you, or so. I don't remember how you. Worded they rejected that. me. They rejected you. Okay, yes. so and that's you being the middle kid. Mm-hmm. Your siblings, both up and down from you, basically all rejected you. Yes. In a sense.
1: Yeah. Okay. And so there's actually uh, alcoholism in my family. Okay. So I, uh, it wasn't like abusive or anything like that, but something that I learned in therapy or counseling about. Uh, alcoholism is the children of alcoholics. They have to fit into certain roles. Right. And my role was the sick kid. Okay. Right. Which means that, oh, he doesn't fit in with other kids. It's okay. There's just something wrong with him. It's uh, not, let's go figure this out and right. socialize him or something like that. It's like, oh, okay. Maybe he's on the spectrum. It's okay. We're not going to worry about and it. And you
0: hear that, and the neuroplasticity of your brain is developing that truth to be a resounding truth even though it may not even be true not only in your mind but your siblings are hearing it you know what i mean and And it's like this whole
1: reverberating thing right where it's like it's bouncing off of me back to them and then it cycles back through and it makes me worse makes them worse makes me worse Right, right right yeah
0: so you were talking about the sick kid and i don't have the list in front of me but like not only for alcoholic families but any type of like traumatic family dynamic. There's always the sick kid, the mm-hmm. black sheep, the golden child, yeah. the superstar. I don't the even know. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, the, the class clown is yeah. one of them. The stupid one. This the class clown. Oh I dude, I love that you said that, bro, because like it makes me almost want to stop and like analyze my own kids right now and figure out which roles my three kids are in. Not because our family unit is toxic or anything, but I think Even in a well put together family or a decent family, kids can begin to assume roles and mantras that help them just cope with living in the family. But I was definitely the black sheep. Like I was the one where all the frustration is vented upon me. And uh, like I started going to jail like at 12. So I couldn't even analyze my sisters and figure out where they are. But I know my one sister, I don't know if she's the golden child or if she's like the hyper achiever because she's like a fifth class sergeant in the air force and she's been all over the world or whatever, but we do that as children, we take on those mantras. So, okay. So now that we've got that, because I wanted to know why not only your younger, but your older siblings were all kind of like included in the same opinion about you, but let's fast forward. So you said that the social awkwardness of that and not being able to make real connections with people kind of led you to the addiction of binge eating. And for like me, it was crystal methamphetamines, sharp needles, quick drugs, mm-hmm. alcohol, porn. For some people, it's eating. For some people, it's gambling. For some people, it's just going, completely shutting down and going into an isolation state. Whatever it is that works with them. Yeah. But now that you've had this awakening moment, right, yes. where you're like, okay, I sense that there's issues. I'm going to go back and try to analyze why. You said you thought saw a therapist. She kind of helped you walk through some of that stuff you're realizing like why the social awkwardness developed, you're realizing how that led into the binge eating, you're realizing all of this information. Now, as a married man, seven years with five kids, how is your intimacy and connection, not romantically, Mm -hmm. but on a personal level with your wife? Like, are you extra striving to make sure that you are connecting with your family today on a deeper level? On an emotional level,
1: yes, I oh. I value deeply uh, the emotional side that I still have underdeveloped. Right. But that one awakening moment that you mentioned. Yeah. It for me, it wasn't one awakening moment. It was many over many. And years. that's how it works, right? And the first year of our marriage we almost killed each other okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> we we are both the most stubborn people I have ever met okay and um, so neither of us knew how to end a fight oh, Okay. okay. <laughs> so they would just they would escalate and escalate and escalate and probably the last two years that I've really really been working on this social thing hard yeah like really trying to turn it into actually connecting with people um it's been the best two years of our marriage of mm. of knowing her and it, my kids are they're interacting very well they're interacting with me very well yeah um granted i still get grumpy i, I sure. still i still fail right with the with the sugary binge eating thing yeah um and uh you know it it the uh I mean, I, I haven't mentioned that I'm also a porn addict, but I, I did, uh, you know, come into that as an adult. Sure. Or I guess as a young teenager into right. an adult. Um, but that's, it was the same exact thing as the sugar. Sure. And if I didn't have sugar, I had porn. Yeah. And sometimes I would do both at the same time. Sure, right. Stuff my face, and you know, right. Uh, stuff my eyes. Sure, <laughs> but it was covering up the same core issue. Sure, you know, it was it was medicating without drugs. Sure, and yeah, it, it, and
0: it's almost like people think that because uh, I've talked to a few people where I'll mention uh, and nobody recently, but I'll mention the meth and 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 the coke and the the alcohol and stuff like that, and people almost give me this this weird look like well like i've never done those things you know what i mean i wouldn't but go that far
1: <laughs> my addictions are legal you yeah. know what i mean
0: yeah but they're at just, least i only lost my house to gambling right 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 <laughs> but they're all just as toxic because they keep us in this place of stuck this place of shame and regret and defeat and like you know um kudos man for you know being vulnerable and transparent with that because There's a lot of guys out there that are struggling with all kinds of different things. And to hear that not only is someone on the trajectory of personal growth and development, they're working with themselves, they're aware of their addictions, they know the road ahead is going to be uphill, Mm -hmm. but they're committed to that journey. Yeah, And to still have your awakening moments and be working on yourself and seeing tremendous progress, but to still have... To be in the pit fighting the battle you know on Mm -hmm. occasion you know because that old man and those old addictions and stuff they die hard and for me for for a long time and this this just percolated in my mind right now is my triggers are obviously fatigue is one of them purposeless is another When I get stuck in this oil field, and you and I both know we make great money, we make more money than most college graduates in this country will ever see. And, you know, we're at a point now where we're mature enough that we're being wise with our money. You know, Mm -hmm. you're making real estate investments, and, you know, my wife and I, I put her through school. I used my oil field earnings to put my wife through school so that I could add a second income to my family and stuff like that. But even though I know that fatigue, and purpos- purposelessness, like just driving this truck, this hydrovac, or these side dumps, or um, roll-off trucks, hauling bins, or whatever it is that we're doing, I feel like, is this it? Like I drive around in circles in North Dakota, make great money, but there's no fulfillment in it, you know. Mm-hmm. And that purposeless for me can be a trigger where I'm just like, why bother? Why try? I'm not going to ever do anything great. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah. And of course it's all a lie, but like, so then I, so then I'm having this thought come to me, even as we speak now about either, do you build your life in a way to where you mitigate all the hazards or, or all the triggers so that you never put yourself in a propensity to fail? Or do you learn how to succeed even under like the triggers? like, I know my triggers are exhaustion, I know it's purposelessness, I know it's this, that, and the other, you, you you, you, know, you write them out, you say them out. Now, do you either say, I'm going to avoid those things, so I never regress and go back to old habits? Or do we say, I'm going to push through personal growth and development to the point where even if I am tired, even if I am hungry, even if I am purposeless or depressed, I will never fail. You know what I mean? And that's kind of like the great the great question there, you know, because yeah, I want to be strong enough to where it doesn't matter what my existential circumstances are. Yeah. I want to never fail. Mm-hmm. Or do I be honest with myself and know that I'm weak and made of flesh? Yeah. And I have triggers and I'm going to fail. Let me ask you this about the about the about the pornography and the sugar. Specifically okay. the sugar. Sugar. was okay. what I really wanted to talk about was you had talked about sensing the emotions. Or dealing dealing with the emotions through the sugar with the sugar. Mm-hmm. Like it helps you deal with them.
1: It just just calms them out, levels them out, right. makes them go away. Sure. So that I can remain in this kind of analytical, logical state.
0: Sure. So when you detox from the sugar, do those emotions and all of that stuff, that baggage, does it swoop right in and it's face staring you in the face? Yes. And it's okay. all
1: sadness, anger, regret, and shame. Yeah. Okay. There no joy. No uh, right. happiness, yeah. none, of, none of that, and that's kind of how the depression kind of got there. Was yeah. you you make these bad decisions, and then you come back, and you've got all this shame and stuff, and and uh, right. are we fighting the clock?
0: No, no. And when we okay. and when we run up on thirty, I'm just going to stop it, and I'm going to start another thirty minute block of time. we'll so oh, okay. keep going. Okay. So when so tell me this: Do you, is it difficult for you as a man? to to be aware of not only of the struggles but be aware of your progress and tracking your progress i mean there was a time when you were like single suicidal binge eating overweight like struggling with porn like all these different things mm-hmm. and i mean and now even though those things for any of us even myself can kick off from time to time because we're all fighting to fight mm-hmm. you're married beautiful wife beautiful family real estate investments great job I mean, like I said, we're making great money and you are you are tracking and seeing progress in your life. Can you not use the evidence of progression and success to combat the depression and the feelings and the emotions that stemmed from your youth and adolescence? Why can't you and I do that? I guess is what I'm
1: saying. I, I think that's going to be the question that we're going to take to our grave because I personally don't... Um, tie my identity to the, the things that I've done or the behaviors that I've, I've exhibited. Either good or bad. Either good or bad. Okay. And so when I look back, I can I can take pride or shame in the things that I've done in the past. Right. Um, But that doesn't change me. Mm-hmm. You know, I have this injury. I don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. It, so far in the past, it doesn't even matter because it, I, I, I'm imagining it like, a pearl and a clam right a little little tiny thing and just over the years i've covered it with porn sugar porn sugar you know yeah. just crap crap it's a crap pearl yeah <laughs> and uh. it's so big now it doesn't even matter what the initial cause was almost sure it's just there yeah and it's eaten away a part of me and i'm never gonna get that back and i have to deal with this okay and so <clears throat> it it, it it's that is a part of me my addiction is part of me what i'm doing how i behave what i've done it's not a part of me it's the result of who i am it's 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 the result it's not the Mm -hmm. it doesn't define me right if that makes sense sure i'm always looking for ways
0: to like try to combat that negative voice that says you're not accomplishing anything you haven't accomplished anything you're living beneath your means you could be doing you're destined for greater things or you know you've done x y and z in your past and Mm -hmm. therefore you're forever labeled and pronounced xyz and therefore you can't see yourself being successful but man if i sat down with a pen and paper and just tracked time from when i got out of prison in 2004 i mean i have Mm -hmm. like a like like a file cabinet of successful things, especially when you measure where I came from. Mm -hmm. And I really think it maybe has to do with, I don't know, maybe gratitude, just being thankful or whatever, but we need to be able to see the good things that we've done, the successes that we've had. So when that lying voice comes back to try to tell us, you know, that you're socially awkward, or you're a meth addict, or, you know, you're a sexual pervert or a predator or whatever the case may be, because, I got a pretty miry
1: past, bro. You know what I mean? Yeah. We've talked about it a little bit. I've read your book. Yeah. I I feel like I know a lot more about you than you know about me. (laughs) You (laughs) you just kind of opened up your book or opened up your your podcast and your book and stuff. And it's like, Oh man, there's a real information imbalance here. I got to go talk to Nick. (laughs) Right?
0: No, I just want to see men succeed. Um, And I want to see us get to a place where when those emotions come back rather than triggering off. Mm-hmm. You know, we have tools. Yeah, I want men to have tools to combat that emotional distress and despair when it comes back, you had said something about um, filling the air. And I, and I just I wanted to say this because filling the air with noise didn't work. But that other guy was really good at just being able to talk. And people seem to really like hearing what this guy had to say. But you said, when you tried it, it didn't work. You know, you can't just fill air. It reminded me of a scripture in the Bible that says, uh, even a fool when he's quiet seems wise. Mm-hmm. It's in one of the Proverbs and stuff. Yeah. And I thought, you know what? That's a good, that's kind of a good lesson for life for myself too, because um, sometimes we can talk a little too much. But now building relationships, rules for greater connection and intimacy in building relationships and specifically for people that struggle with that very thing so before we get into that because we are running up on the 30 okay i'm gonna stop this one and then we'll and then we'll bounce out another 30 minute window and we'll get going with it all right guys pick it back up we're gonna get into rules for introverts rules for all rules for life for building deeper intimacy and connection with your relationships So, Mike, you got the floor. Now, before you get started, I'm going to jump in every once in a while just so I can unpack and dissect in greater detail what you're spitting out. Please. But, yeah, please talk to us about these rules, man.
1: Okay. Well, first and foremost, before I say any of the rules, um, the first thing and second thing you have to do on your own is start getting around people. Like, if you don't actually try to do the rules... You're not going to make any progress. You can't do this in a vacuum. So you need canvas. Yes. People. Yeah, are the canvas. Yeah. Okay. So you know, if if you are a work at a work at home person, all, on your computer all day, you sit in a game room all day, you're not going to make connections with people. Right. You go to the store, say hi. You know. Join a
0: bowling league. Something. Figure something. Something. You. You, yeah.
1: You got to figure something out to where you are around people. Okay. Um, church groups are great. Um gaming groups for me. I'm a board gamer. Okay. I, I like playing Magic the Gathering. I'm a super nerd. Okay. Um, I like being around people. Things yeah. that you can do at a table, that's my jam. Cool. So I got to do it at a at a board game. I learned these things playing games. Okay. And uh they were my excuse to be around people as the board games. Um, uh, the second thing is um you gotta be willing to actively and retroactively kind of analyze how people are responding to what you're doing. Like, Oh, I should have done this instead of that in that situation. You can pl- apply that to future interactions with people. Okay. So y- you can kind of compartmentalize what you're doing here. Okay. Uh, that's the the caveats. Okay. So keep track of the
0: interactions that you have with people yeah. and remember what didn't work and what worked. Yeah. And now people are going to, people are going to really think that we're overanalyzing this here, but only because I know the backstory they're going to say, why would you even care about what didn't work in a conversation with someone? Because we can actually put our feet in our mouth sometimes, right? And so like... bad.
1: So bad. <laughs> well, you have no idea how right. many but, embarrassing little things uh, everybody has. Sure. You know, right? It, it, you know, everybody's experienced that uh, that one thing. They can remember from when they were three or four or six uh, when they said to their aunt, uh, it was me, right. um, I told my aunt she was fat in her face. <laughs> tattooed in my brain, because right. I, I got taken home and got spanked for it. Now, <laughs> now I'm the fat one. Right. And my nephew <laughs> called me fat last year. It's like, wow, yeah, that's what that feels. like. <laughs> oh. Right.
0: Okay. So and, and now and the reason that we're talking about these rules, because when we first had this conversation, you were saying that it's more difficult for introverts. Almost like introverts are naturally socially awkward. Yes, no, maybe, kind of like I am
1: not sure exactly what an introvert is. That's the problem.
0: Yeah, me neither, bro, because I do all these podcast episodes with people and they'll admit to me, you know, I'm an introvert and I'm thinking, yeah, you're a podcaster like you yeah. talk all the time, like you 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 know you like I so I don't even know, really. So either. my
1: theory on an introvert is <clears> somebody who doesn't Take energy from others, right? So if you're in a social setting with a group of people, right, you give your energy to to the to the group. As an and introvert? Or extrovert. As an introvert. Oh, okay. You give away of yourself. Okay. And it exhausts you. Okay. Right? So you go home and be alone to recharge. So that's when you're alone, you feel better.
0: Okay. Why so, do you think it depletes people? What depletes them? Is it because they're trying really hard to be accepted or fit in? Or why do they feel like they've been depleted when
1: they have interactions with people? For me, in my like analytical brain kind of way, Mm. it's kind of a, uh, there's a lot of variables. Okay. Like you're here, you have certain expectations of me. I can interact with you. Okay. But now this person is expecting this behavior. How do I how do I combine how I'm supposed to interact with you with how I'm supposed to interact with them? And somebody who doesn't naturally, like, sponge up to people and be able to just know how to interact with everybody at the same time. Okay. It's it's changing gears, changing gears, and it's mm. it's exhausting. It's okay. mentally exhausting. Now, this, this
0: begs the next question. Uh-huh. Why would a person not just be comfortable being themselves and make those other people acclimate to who they are rather than worrying or stressing about how they need to be in a group setting to meet these perceived expectations that they have from a group of people in a group setting why couldn't they just be themselves and either accept me at face value and how i am and i'm not even going to worry about trying to be everything for everybody
1: Do you think there's insecurities that might exist with that or? Well, for some people who you are is an asshole. Okay. And like, that was me. Sure. I was a a complete asshole. Okay. And it didn't matter what anybody else had to talk about. I wasn't interested. I only was interested in the things that I was interested in. Okay. I was loud. I just said a bunch of words. Right. You know, like I said, I, Mm. I filled the air with words. Right. And... Is that typical behavior of introverts, or do you think that was isolated to you? It, I think it could be um, typical of some antisocial introverts. Okay. Um, because I think, it's, it's a defense mechanism. Okay. It, it forces people to already not like me, As so that I don't have to worry about okay. trying to make them like me. Defense mechanisms are usually related to insecurities. Yeah. Okay. So, I think that that, I, I, I try to separate antisocial behaviors from introverted behaviors. Okay. And... I don't think that being introverted, you know, like not knowing how to interact or not being good at interacting with people Mm -hmm. makes it not worth it. Sorry, double negative. Um, It's still worth it to try to make those connections, even if it exhausts you. Okay. Because you can go further, make more money if that's what you're trying to do with it, meet more people. If you're looking at it from an evolutionary standpoint, meet the better mate. Sure. The, the more so, like, the, yeah, you can move up a tier. Yeah. From an evolutionary standpoint. Sure. Sure. And yeah, I agree like it with the better person. Right. No, um. I like that, bro. That's really <laughs> honest.
0: The reason I asked that is because there's somebody in my life uh-huh. that will remain nameless. Okay. And it's not my wife. Okay. That I know. That I don't know if they're an introvert. I don't know if they're socially awkward. I know that they say whatever comes to mind Mm -hmm. and they've gotten really better about this over the years that I've known them. But one time they said something to me and I was like, why would you even say that? And their response was, Nick, do you want me to tell the truth or lie? And in that moment I was like, it was almost like it was turned around on me to tell them I would rather you be dishonest when what I really wanted to say was, um, uh, you don't have to say everything that comes to your mind. You know what I mean? Like, I, I know my flaws, like, I don't need to hear about it. Like all the time, you know what I mean? You don't need to point out every freckle on my face. You know what I mean?
1: (laughs) Somebody, somebody who's really antisocial will kind of hide behind. I'm going to tell the truth, Uh but Any, or, you know, not having a filter as, as having to tell the truth, but you can, you can counterpoint that if you're going to debate this whole thing, Uh you can counterpoint that by saying, you're not going to tell a six-year-old the entire ins and outs of procreation, right? Because that would be wrong. Like you, you could scar them or you're not going to show them pictures of real dead bodies. Right. You're going to scar them. That's truthful. That really happened. Yes. Yeah. But you're you're going to withhold that. That's not a lie. Yeah, you're not lying by saying less. Right. You know. Yes. Yeah. You're not. You're not lying by only saying the truths that add value to the other person. Right. And there's a
0: time and a place to maybe say some harder things, Mm -hmm. but you have to read the room. And when I say the room, I almost mean that person's emotional state, where they're at. You know what I mean? Just because someone makes a mistake, doesn't give another person permission to just broadcast that and let's talk about all your failures. You know what I mean? Because yeah. People need to like sort through stuff, but mm-hmm. this person in question I love very much. And, uh, and uh, yeah. So anyway, I didn't mean to interrupt. That's so okay. now you've, you've established Share this podcast with them. I will. <laughs> they listen. Yeah. They listen. So active and retroactive analysis provides progress, even in failure. Okay. Yeah. So we are analyzing every interaction Mm -hmm. and being very honest with ourselves and saying, okay, that last social interaction with Mm -hmm. that person went well. Yes. The one before that I said this and I probably shouldn't have, or, Maybe that person was looking for something for me and I didn't offer it. And if I get the opportunity again, Mm -hmm. I'll be either more vulnerable, more transparent, or I'll ask them to be more vulnerable or transparent because I realize now after the
1: fact that that's what they needed me to do and I didn't do it. Okay. And those are big things for introverts too. When you're starting out doing this, it's small things mm -hmm. like Maybe you shouldn't say that, but the the dress does in fact make her butt look big. Right, right, right. Maybe (laughs) next time, next time you're asked a trick question that's a trap. Yeah, you'll be able to recognize the trap. Yes. You know. (laughs) Right. I love it. (laughs) it, It's it's little things, social cues, like the things that you Mm -hmm. say, like "Hey, you're Mm -hmm. a piece of shit." Maybe don't say that. Right. You know. Yeah. Hey. I, I really like the way blah, 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 you know, if, yeah. if you try for a compliment, if you try to, you know, ask them uh, about their thing uh, that they like to do, right. maybe don't interject with your own story about it or something sure. like that. Unless you know? they ask. Exactly. If, right. if, they, if they reciprocate, then share your values with them. Sure. But in this situation, you're trying to develop a social thing. They're not trying to develop socially. So it's your responsibility okay. to go outside of yourself and receive what they're willing to give you yeah so that you can add value to it right not not dumping your values onto them or opinions or opinions exactly right because that's not how you add value to somebody else right
0: so would you say that not dumping your opinions and values and basically curbing your speech Mm -hmm. and maybe not saying something that the old you would have just flippantly said is it painful I won't say introvert socially what did you say not awkward you said socially two people and you didn't want to you didn't want to lump them together it was the introvert and the socially oh, anti-social anti-social person yeah. okay so for either one whether it's the introvert or the anti-social person is it painful to curb your tongue yes and uh, it almost kills yes. you yeah it it, it hurts
1: <laughs> it is so painful, especially on corrections. So my right. my big thing is correcting uh-huh. people's grammar, uh-huh. uh, technical incorrectness. Sure, like uh-huh. if they're technically wrong on something, uh-huh. like I'm not even listening to their idea. I can totally invalidate them. Right, because because they're dumb if right. they didn't know that caves are underground or the, right. the still mites versus the leg tight. They said it wrong. So they're invalid as a person because right. yeah, you know, wow. And I, and I can correct that. And uh. then boom, they're, they are done as a person in my head. Right. And that's, that's how I used to shut people down right. and not have to try to connect with them
0: okay and that probably shuts them shuts them down yeah. too they're like okay well this is yeah. the last time I'm talking and to I, this guy <laughs> I still
1: do that sometimes and uh, I, I go back and you've actually witnessed this we were uh, in a class together right. over at the safety place yeah. and I was oh this test is wrong why why does this question say this when the real answer is blah 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 and I was yeah. I was yeah you couldn't let it go I remember that I couldn't that. let it go <laughs> And that is, that, that is embarrassing to me that you had to see that because sure. that's who I used to be all the time, all the time, hundred yeah. percent of the time. Right. And mm-hmm. it, it sucks when it peeks its head out and sure. it, it mostly comes out in classroom settings, but right, right. <laughs> I, I suck at classroom settings. <laughs> so you
0: were saying, you were saying that curbing your speech and making sure that what you offer of yourself is value added. So this gets us into rule one.
1: Yes. So add rule value. one is add value to others. And so um, let's see. So basically you got to figure out what their values are. You can't just look at a person and know what their values are. If you look at you, Nick Chantos, you've got very short hair. You've got this gruff looking face Mm -hmm. you're very intimidating with your tattoos on your arms Uh and it was it was hard to kind of start talking to you when we first started working together right and if i'm going to make assumptions on our first you know first interaction and stuff like that Uh i'm going to say man that guy must be into bike riding or something sure
0: you know he's a bike he's he's a gruff
1: gruff biker yeah you know doesn't take no guff or whatever right and mike
0: knows now that i'm just a big fluffy (laughs) teddy bear Yeah. Um, we get older we lose testosterone there was a time in my life where the the tats and the gruffness was a defense mechanism yeah it it was a defense mechanism yeah just like we were talking about that earlier because the black sheep for me that ended in prison like Mm -hmm. i made that decision that i was not going to be the dumping spot for everybody's junk anymore Mm -hmm. so if you can put on and i don't want to call it a facade because it's very much a part of me like um you know i had to learn to be tough and when i did <clears throat> excuse me cuz i was a pushover for a lot of years i mean i was that scrawny pimply faced kid that looked like kurt cobain on crack okay my entire teenage years and i was i was a focal point for bullying and all of that stuff and when i got to prison i had some convicts take me under their wing and basically it's like mm-hmm. do or die you have got to change and i wanted to change right so once i realized that Either a pretending to be gruff or being gruff afforded me space Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and respect. Yeah. I was I was in love with that. You know what I mean? So I kind of capitalized on that and took it to a different level. Of course, you get out, you get married, you have a family, you're not in prison anymore, you kind of dial it back,
1: but um yeah.
0: So anyway, I'm sorry. We're going to chase rabbit trails. So yeah. Go ahead. Do
1: you remember? So I'm going to take our relationship for as kind of the primary example for sure. The purposes of this. I remember so, the first day. Do you remember the first meaningful thing that you said to me?
0: Not the first meaningful thing, but the first meaningful conversation after work that we had.
1: Well, it was in it was after in pickup were, on our way down to a cleanup. Okay. And uh, we. Got most of the way down there, and we said hardly anything to each other. Right. And you, like, we were about 20, 20 minutes from site, and you said, I wrote a book, dude. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> just that. And okay. I was like, huh, something to latch on to. Right. And so if if I'm going to add value to you, I got to figure out what's important to you. Sure, sure. And you you shared. You just, you told me what was important to you. It's right. that easy. Yeah. So I'm not going to say, well, I wrote 10 books. Or I, you know, I don't care about books. Sure. If I'm trying to add value to you, I'm going to try to get into more of that. Sure. But um, essentially, what adding value, the reason why I have that as rule number one is it's something that you should be filtering all of the other rules through. It's kind of the title, tabletop. All of the other rules are kind of footstools, like little things that you can do to learn to add more value. Okay. Um, and uh, the reason the reason why you want to add value to others to build that relationship with them is you are an individual floating through space. Think of yourself as this this pillar, right? Yeah. And I need to get to you. I'm a, I'm a pillar, you're a pillar. With space between. With space between us. Got it. How are we going to connect? Right. I, I got to bridge that gap somehow. Right. And I used to think, as an introvert, antisocial introvert, um, just hey, I'm a person. You're a person. Let's hang out. Right. Straight line. Yeah. No, it doesn't work. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> you get. You have to. You have to build a bridge. You have to. You have to span it and and reach out and add something to the other side before before you can actually really put any weight got it on that relationship. That bridge is the relationship that you're building. Yeah. And if it's a straight line, you put any weight on it, it falls apart. Sure. But you, you have to, you have to build it with adding value to the other person. Right. And strengthen that connection. Right. And so I like that. Okay. Well, thank you. <laughs> um, so you you're trying to add to what others value you're trying to stop doing and saying things that only you value. So like I said I'm I'm into board games and right. magic and nerdy things. Right. You're into your book your family and what your else? Podcast. Your podcast, right. right? Like you're you're focused on this. And I would say that's not really a common interest between us, but we are both interested in growing better, stronger as people. Okay. Let's talk about that. Yeah. You know, and as
0: you say that, Mike, I'm thinking about a dilemma that I have. Okay. And I want to be transparent with my audience and with anyone mm-hmm. because no more facades. Mm-hmm. So I don't want people to think less of me when I tell people on this podcast right now that I'm struggling to connect with my son. hmm And the main reason is, is the time factor of, you know, how we work out here in the old field. But what you just said there about finding what they're interested in, instead of a straight line, you're my son, I'm your dad, that's enough. We should be able to connect and be okay all the time. I need to figure out what he's into. And even though I may not be into Fortnite, Mm -hmm. Even though I may not be into, he's always asking me questions about the NBA, wants to know about Michael Jordan, you know, the all star from our generation, right, who's been retired for 20 years almost, you know, I'll tell him things like, son, I don't know, I don't have any idea what, who the greatest basketball player of all time or right now in the NBA is. And it would almost seem like if you value the relationship, you almost need to sacrifice what you value. And embrace what someone else values for the purpose of building that arched bridge that won't give way under weight. You know what I mean? Like, Not that I'm pretending to be interested in basketball or video games, but if I can learn a few things about topics that he's into, Mm -hmm. when we do attempt to connect or we have connection moments, Mm -hmm. I can go to him rather than make him come to me and have better connection. And that just came to me right now when you said that. Yeah, that's
1: profound. Yeah. That's, that's a really good idea. Yeah. And, but I don't think that, you shouldn't look at it as sacrificing of yourself. You already sacrifice of yourself out in the oil field. You like, that's not your value set. Your value is your relationship with your son, right? That is your value set. Yeah. So learning what he's interested in and adding to that doesn't take away from you. It's not a zero sum game. It doesn't, lessen you to make him more right it makes you more to make him more i like that bro yeah that's so it's cool. really good <laughs> just don't don't think of it like it, it can be that way it can be a sacrifice mm-hmm. to to go out and improve that relationship with him you can kill yourself well that's what you said to, you were doing to do the relationship yeah yeah you felt like you were like it was killing you to like try to connect with people it's, it's all about how you look at it if right. you look at it as you value the relationship, then you're going to want to put in the work into the relationship. Absolutely. It's absolutely worth the work Yeah, and worth the sacrifice, but yeah. you're not sacrificing you, Nick Chantos. Maybe you're sacrificing a little bit of time on your podcast. Maybe you're sacrificing a little bit of time at work Yeah, to be able to go take him out on a date or sacrificing, just
0: taking the time to get to know more about what he's into mm-hmm. when I have no interest in that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And that's actually one of the rules. (laughs) Right. It'd be like, it would be like me going, all right, I want to connect with Mike, not just because of, you know, financial gain, or obviously in this case, Mm -hmm. it's not going to be the evolutionary um, mating thing. (laughs) right? (laughs) But just like, I need to be close with this guy so that we can do our job better. And Mm -hmm. so We can develop a relationship because when you have two people on a team, especially with the jobs we do, you get in sync. It works out. So maybe I should like uh, learn a little bit more about magic, the gathering, just so when that conversation comes up, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Not to uh, yeah, not not to be fake or whatever, but just to be like, you know what, like
1: I can talk with this person now. I can connect with them, you know, and it's not it's not that you have to learn something about magic The gathering. It's rule six is take interest in the disinteresting. So okay. we can talk about that more okay. in All a few right, we'll minutes. Talk to that. Okay. So um, but let's let's move on from add value. Okay. We'll we'll go into the next one, which is actually the very first rule that I learned playing board games. Okay. And it's lose to win. Okay. So and this is this is the biggest one uh, for me. Uh, because like I told you earlier, correcting the record and being right, winning at relationships, I thought that's what you had to do to have relationships, you know. Right. But winning at relationships loses the relationship. Sure. And uh, winning at games all of the time, like I used to, mm-hmm. I used to win every single board game that I played because I just, I love board games. Right. And uh, people stopped wanting to play with me. So, <laughs> this I, is no I, fun. I theorized <laughs> that if I lose a few, right. Maybe I'll win more in the long term. Sure. sure. <laughs> but that's, that doesn't mean to say throw a game. It means to say, you know, pick pick a strategy that might be a little wonky and, right. and try, try something weird and see if it works. Yeah. And uh, But that actually expanded out into this whole thing of maybe I'm wrong, right? So I, I switched my whole paradigm to maybe I'm wrong, like when I'm talking with somebody. And that way, when you tell me something as fact, it's not, it's not, no, you're wrong and here's facts. Right. You know, if, if everybody liked people more because they were factual, everybody's best friend would be Google. Right. And I would argue some people's best friend is Google, (laughs) but um, people are more looking for you to validate them. They're not, they're not looking for you to prove them wrong. Mm-hmm. That, and it's not even about being right or wrong. It's about, it, it, it's about just talking. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know where I was going with that, but no, it makes sense though, for sure, man, you know, just connecting. Yeah. I mean, but if, if somebody says something that they understand to be true and you don't understand it to be true and you reject that, it's like you're putting a sword in their pillar. If we go back to earlier's analogy, Yeah. like, You're attacking them as a person to say they are wrong. Sure. And that violates the budding relationship that you're trying to build. Right. So if instead you turn around and say, hey, I could be wrong, it kind of opens up the door for you to seek out, hey, how could I be wrong? Right. Like, tell me more about your understanding of the situation. Sure. Like, as a Catholic, that's my religion. Growing up, it was like, ooh, all non-Catholics are going to hell right you know like the whole fire and brimstone you know mm-hmm. and no other christians can be saved kind of a thing right and my understanding has shifted to okay i still believe what i believe but i don't think everybody's condemned i think mm-hmm. everybody has their relationship with god and god will determine who's saved and who's not it's not my place right i judge not lest ye be judged all that right. uh bible stuff you know but um if If I talk to you about religion, right, we could have a debate. We could Google stuff. We could find Bible passages, whatever. But I'd rather understand why you believe what you believe, because maybe I'm wrong about something that I understood all growing up. That's not going to change my core belief. It's not going to change who I am as a person to try to understand you. Unless
0: you come to the place where you realize they're right. And it shifts the way you think or, or, or or embrace something.
1: Yeah. Mm. But you don't want to go into it thinking that you're changing religions so much as it is, Oh, I never thought about this, that, or the other aspect of my religion that way. Sure. Maybe I could change the way I meditate a little bit. Maybe I could improve my relationship with God a little bit. Sure. Or, you know, with other things, with your relationship with your kids. Right. You know, there's some people that say, don't ever spank your kids. Or there's some people that say, don't ever blah, blah, blah. Co-sleep. Don't co-sleep. Everybody has advice. Yeah. And they're all right. Like, if you listen to them, they are right. Everybody else is wrong. Sure. And if you go into a conversation with somebody, oh, did you co-sleep? Or did you immediately put somebody, your kid in the other bed? You know, Mm -hmm. neither one of those is wrong. Mm -hmm. You know? And it's like, oh, why did you choose that? You know? uh, help me understand better. Right. I like it. <laughs> and uh, yeah. so where where did we end up? Uh, yeah, the, the big thing about that, though, is like you were saying, maybe you change religions. Well, one of my core values is my religion. Mm-hmm. And I don't have to lose that. I don't have to sacrifice my core values to add value to you by engaging with your values. Sure you know mm. i don't have to shut you down to preserve my values right so uh, that's lose to win is you you technically could be wrong about anything you talk about so don't immediately shut down everything right i like it um number 3 before you start okay i'm going to do another I'm gonna do, a, oh no man. no it's good that's that's okay. when you know that's
0: when you know they're good okay so i'm going to stop this one <laughs> and we'll restart another one rule number 3
1: Rule number three is once is fine, a lot is not. Okay. So this is more behavioral than anything emotional. Um, Think of the the kid that says, hey, hey, and just pokes you and pokes you and pokes you Mm -hmm. or says the same thing over and over and over again. My Mm -hmm. son does this thing. Hey, knock, knock. Who's there? John the Baptist. Because I did that to him one time and splashed water on him from washing my hands. (laughs) and uh, Mm. now he does it incessantly okay doesn't stop and Mm. the first time is funny but when you do things the same again and again and again Mm. each time has diminishing returns right and you'll find this is true in social settings too if you say a joke at a party right everybody laughs right Mm. so is the joke in a vacuum funny or did people find it funny in that moment they found it funny in that moment mm-hmm. but if you're socially awkward anti-social whatever you're going to jump to the conclusion that oh i could just say that joke again right now or anytime or in any, any, time, place, any, in any place any place yeah. any setting it's always appropriate right or <laughs> right um... it is it is factually funny if people laughed. Right. no it's not it's the situation was there and you, you want to mentally record why that was funny. But then you also don't want to say that same exact joke again to another group of people that may have people from the original group. Right. Right. Because then you'll be found to be repetitive. Sure. And that that diminishes your value to them. Right. You don't want to diminish how they perceive you. Right. You want to add value you, that you want them to value you.
0: Right. So, <clears throat> I like that's why my dad jokes aren't funny the second and third times.
1: <laughs> um, don't worry, your kids <laughs> didn't find them funny the first no, time. They, <laughs> <laughs> right?
0: They just they, they just know if they want to eat here, they ought to laugh, right? No, that goes back to one of my topics in the book, man, where I was talking about um, carrying yourself in a way to where people will perceive you in a certain light without feeling disingenuine or unauthentic and like you almost have to be able to read people to become uh, this lady um ariel hudnell is her name and she wrote this blog post about the different archetypes of man like we're the jester we're the hero the warrior the mm-hmm. protector you know all these different things the romantic all these different things. And you need to learn when to flow in and out of each of those different archetype personalities based upon what setting you're in and what the people around you need. So it goes back to adding value, you know what I mean? And the mm-hmm. example that I give is, I am, we this whole family is a goofball family. Mm-hmm. But if I take the goofball mentality with me to work and I act that way at work, then I'll be perceived as a guy who doesn't take my job serious and when serious jobs and responsibilities come I'll be looked at as the guy that doesn't take anything seriously so they won't be given to me mm-hmm. so I need to learn what setting I'm in and who I'm with and from that point pick an archetype personality that's not only going to add value to the people I'm around but it's also going to let me be perceived in the best light
1: that's interesting I mean, that I have to happy. read more about that
0: yeah it's in the book Okay. Yep. Chapter two, towards the end. I know okay. you. Were, I know you. I know you're an audiobook guy, and you're kind of yeah. plugging your way through it. But you'll you'll get to that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. Uh, I I listen to every single one of your podcasts. So. Awesome. <laughs> have you given Have you left a review yet? Not
0: a one. Okay. Oh no, that's right. You're Verizon.
1: <laughs> yeah. You got You got to be on
0: You got to be on iTunes Apple no, products yep. to be able to do that. Yep. So I'll give you a pass on it.
1: Yeah. So um, shoot, there was something that came to mind about once is fine. Uh, so. Uh, Another thing, like just little stupid behavioral things. I used to say better than I deserve. I copied uh, Dave Ramsey, Ramsey, a radio show personality. Mm -hmm. Whenever someone, hey, how are you? Better than I deserve. Better than I deserve. Uh Better than I deserve. And some people say, uh, call me whatever you want. Just not late for dinner. Never Uh understood that. But that's Uh what they say. That's their canned response. Mm -hmm. And once it's fine, a lot is not. It means maybe find another way to genuinely interact with that person rather than just going to your default, default canned yep. response. Yeah. Avoid, avoid those canned responses as much as possible. Now you can take tones, behavioral cues, mm-hmm. mix up the words a little bit sure, and, and like change it a little bit, but, and still have kind of a canned response to be able to interact with those people. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's when you figure out what works about a situation, and what doesn't work about a situation. But yeah. always try to change your responses to people. Right. Don't go for that canned response that you've had prepared for years. Because that's that's what I had. I would mm. I would, you know, take something mm. that, that I saw in a movie one time and kind of put it away in the back of my brain so that if that situation ever happens, I have a response. Right. <laughs> right. You know? And I mm. and I think more people than I used to think actually do that. Right and um because i've met people that have used the same lines for movies that i've used <laughs> and okay. it, it doesn't uh it doesn't go over well when i know what movie they're quoting sure uh, or as well uh it it makes them less original it makes them less valuable right to others yeah um anyways so that's kind of a small rule that's that's about it for that rule. is it's more behavioral than it is emotional or connectivity sure which um, requires you to be aware yes it does yep. yeah um number four speaking less says more okay so um basically with that is you if you say nothing or very little hi how are you and then give the other person the floor they're going to tell you everything that you need to know about their values mm-hmm You know, and then all you have to do is say, hey, tell me more about that. Tell me more about the thing that you're interested in. Mm -hmm. And then you talk to me about your book in our in in our first interaction. You talk to me about your book. Mm -hmm. Oh, really? What is it? A fantasy or a sci fi? No, it's about self-improvement and becoming a better person. I'm like, really? I'm trying to be a better person. Tell me more about that. And I found something that we connected on. And we started talking and talking and talking like we didn't stop talking for the rest of the day, except when we had to work Yeah. and finding like, just shutting up and allowing you to tell me what you value mm-hmm. so that I can add to it. it It's a lot better than just filling the air with empty words. Yeah.
0: Um, I remember that day. I remember getting back to the yard that afternoon and you made me cry. Yeah, it was like 45 minutes after we had already, quote unquote, clocked Mm -hmm. out. And um, then it was almost your turn at that point, because I think you had gotten to a place where my transparency and just the way I was carrying myself in that moment as a genuine person, let you know, I would hope that, all right, this guy's not put every dirty deed out on front street, Mm -hmm. but he's made himself very vulnerable and now i feel safe enough to share some of my concerns and my battles and in that space the second half of the day or the second half of the conversation you had the floor mm-hmm. and you were able to share all your stuff and i was able to just you know interject here and there and let you fill the space with not unauthentic or disingenuous things but the core values and the actual heart and struggles of who you are in that moment you know yeah And because of that, I feel like the relationship
1: deepened. Yes. You allowing me to reciprocate helped build the bridge slightly stronger that day. Yeah. And um, there's some people out there, they're they're not going to reciprocate ever. They will talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. And you don't have to be rude to them. You don't have to. But that's where selection comes in. Some people are not ready for the next level of a relationship. Yeah. And there's many, many people out there like that. I like that. But giving yourself selection allows you to find the people that will reciprocate. Yeah. Rather than being bunched up at your own pillar, never connecting with anybody, you're you're putting little connective feelers out there to see who you want to deepen a relationship with. Yeah.
0: And another guy at work that I've had some really deep conversations with. I, I mean, it you know, like a lot of the stuff we do is. know you'll be one guy in a truck or you'll get a swamper or something that'll go out and once you hit the work site and then it's work 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 and the equipment's loud you don't get a chance to talk a bunch but Mm -hmm. i've had some really in-depth conversations with dustin yeah before Mm -hmm. and i don't know if he's had those with other people or with you um but you may have had them with other people that i haven't had them with and just being willing to engage and practice all these rules that you're talking about to deepen relationships yeah has really helped me build a bond with about three or four guys at work where you know it's um it's real like i come home and i think about you and mm-hmm. him and other people and the fact that you're at home with your wife and your kids
1: and you hope they're doing okay yes exactly and yeah
0: that you, what i was trying I've to say i never felt that you before. just said it
1: yeah yeah no, I, it's i've good. never felt that before trying to do these things yeah actually caring about other people it's insane they stop existing as soon as you stop as soon as they're not in front of you anymore that's how it used to be right yeah yeah but uh anyway so speaking less when you when you speak a lot you are um you're putting your values out there and it's unsolicited they're not asking you to share your values they're not like what you're interested in Mm -hmm what a lot of a lot of really antisocial introverts are going to steer the conversation right back around to their interests okay oh you wrote you wrote a book that's nice i i got a brand new charizard first edition pikachu pokemon thing yeah right uh-huh. and i'm going to build a deck that does such and such a thing 90,000 damage i'm going to win on turn 3
0: right okay
1: yeah and yeah. and i shut down your values and i Replace them with my values I filled the air with my values and I destroyed any chance of a relationship sure completely Mm. and there's other situations where you will if you just talk and fill the air you'll never have an opportunity or if I just talk and fill the air you'll never have an opportunity Mm. to add any value you'll I'll I'll never you'll never be able to tell me what adds value to you so is it okay to fish
0: and what I mean by that is if we're going by your rules Mm -hmm. and I'm not trying to tear that one down specifically just get more detail on it yeah that day that I told you about my book Mm -hmm. I wasn't trying to find out what your values were I was fishing in that moment I guess and sharing my values with you almost to see where you would take the conversation next you know yeah. what I'm saying? Uh-huh. So it almost seems like you could be the kind of person that would say, you know, I've got this magic deck or I've got this or that or whatever, and put it out there. Just don't put it out there for elongated periods of time in a conversation. But mm-hmm. like, here's what I'm all about and into in this moment. few sentences, brief thing. You threw the line out. It's got a hook on it and see how they reciprocate so that it's not a deal where you or an, uh, socially, um, say the word again, socially, uh, Antisocial, antisocial person mm-hmm. or an introvert is constantly not sharing their own heart, mm-hmm. but they're just letting other people share to them so they can build relationships with other people. When does the antisocial or introvert person get to the place where they're going to say, you know what, I'm going to start telling other people what I'm about and what I'm into to see if they'll reciprocate these rules in this relationship back. Is there a
1: place for that? I'll let you know when I get there. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, <laughs> the, the, these rules are ever expanding and growing, and, and I'm learning new things, and I'm I'm trying yeah. things out, and um, so it, I'm in a state of flux, and right. I'm I'm actively engaged with my well, personality. It would, it would
0: almost seem one sided for a person to be in the place where, all right, you know, like I, I kind of like this person, or I need to get to know this person better, or whatever. So the only way this is going to work is if I find out what they're into and then try to find a connection with what they're into rather than you just being you and saying, this is my bare self, will you connect with me?
1: Right, but you know our, I mean? our, our connection isn't over your book though. Right. If it was over your book, I, we would have been talking about syntax and grammar and and <laughs> writing classes <laughs> right. that you took, yeah, right? Your analytical brain, we, yeah. yeah. No, but that's that's the book. Right. What the book is about is improving as a person and I latched onto that. Right. So yeah. I'm into magic, dude. It's, like how like my the the exact same on my end hey i'm in the magic dude yeah you know and um you had nothing to go on with that but somebody else might and i'm sure. actually now that i think about it i'm actually quite open about being a nerd now okay and i've made so many more connections like oh really you're you're, you're a nerd <laughs> Can you talk about it what <laughs> and, you know a lot of us are antisocial we right. like we don't get out there much right, right. and uh, mm. uh you being vulnerable and
0: transparent is actually that
1: like, it helps me make yeah. connections with other people that have yeah. shared interests and isn't
0: it the way to be though almost like all mm-hmm. right this is what i am and either we'll connect on it um i mean you obviously temper what you say but like this is who i am and if you can't connect with me then i don't really need to connect with you Basically, almost, you know, like, I don't know. I like, mean,
1: you, you still need to make that initial connection because I'm not into books. I'm not into writing. Mm. I'm not into podcasts. Really? I mean, I listen to yours. I you're love now, yours. Yeah, now you are. Now it. I am. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the, the thing mm. that I latched onto with you was that you're trying to become a better person. Right. Tell me more about that. Like, yeah. ooh, that yeah. that interests me. Yeah, Like you, we, we connected on that. Yeah. And so maybe a little bit deeper of an issue than magic or the football, maybe game or the yeah. weather or something but like that. If, if, if I say I'm in magic, that's code word for, I'm a nerd. Let's talk about nerd stuff. Oh, okay. That's you where know? I would have talked about my cool ant farm that I had when I was maybe, a kid. Yeah, stuff like that, right maybe, yeah exactly. <laughs> but you know, <laughs> or Hey, the, the yeah. Mets won the Steelers last night. I don't know. Sports. Yeah. That was a baseball um, <laughs> team and a football <laughs> team that you just did. there. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm. I'm not a sports person. Right, but no, uh,
0: don't feel bad, bro. Because like a couple of years ago, somebody <laughs> was telling me, uh, "Oh, you're from Colorado, man. Like, uh, how about that? Uh, oh, what is that guy's name, bro? He was a Christian and he was always taking meals on the field. Mm-hmm. He was a quarterback for the Broncos. And my mother-in-law is gonna be so mad at me that I can't remember this guy's name." Oh man, um, but. Uh, far- right how did you not know that uh uh, no no not very far anyway just yeah just to show you how much i'm into sports um tim tebow oh there it is yeah okay and and this guy was like how about that tim tebow and i looked at him and i said yeah it's a pretty good replacement for john elway huh and the guy looked at me like blank stare and he's like you do realize that you've had three or four quarterbacks in between john elway and tim Tebow, and i had no clue i was clueless bro <laughs> so don't feel bad <laughs>
1: oh gosh anyway um, anyway so uh we are on to rule five if we're done with speaking less says more let's do it and you, okay. you got the floor right here bro rule five is don't give unsolicited advice mm. and uh you could take that one to heart i'm just kidding right <laughs> <laughs> um the uh no the quickest way to break a budding relationship is um to try to fix the other pillar so that actually ties into a couple of the other rules you know lose mm. to win being wrong mm. you you don't really have a you don't really have a position of authority to be able to fix other people right and then that also puts the the relationship into kind of an imbalance it puts you above them i see and you is right And them is wrong
0: or perfect and them imperfect. Yeah. And And I'm I'm, I'm talking
1: about from their perspective too. Like Mm. from an outside perspective, anybody can fix anybody else's problems. If you come to me with your problems, I can fix them all right now. Yeah. Just do this, that, and the other thing, but it doesn't take any of your emotional baggage into into account. Uh It doesn't take any of your financial, emotional, spiritual situation into account. Right. Just in a vacuum, I can fix all your problems. Right. And anybody can do that to anybody. And the sad thing is, I think most people know what their problems are and how to fix them. Yeah. They just aren't, they haven't had their awakening moment yet. Right. Mm-hmm. And you can't give that to them by giving them the advice that they already know. Yeah. Like if you, it, you said uh, in one of your podcasts recently uh, that you were frustrated about how when you told somebody, hey, just go listen to this podcast, that'll be perfect for you. Yeah. You know, it, they didn't ask you for that, and they probably won't listen to it. Right. But it also damages any kind of relationship that you're trying to build with them. Mm-hmm. Because what happens there is they already know that there's resources out there for their problem. If they eat too much, there's tons of dietary stuff out there. Sure. If they're struggling financially, they know that yeah. there's stuff out there. All they got to do is go to Google and find it. Yeah. like the information is there for them there's another reason why they're not doing it yeah. and that's because as long as it's somebody else's fault they don't have to take accountability for it yeah that's a reason and it, for me that that was my awakening moment is before i was awake my issues were somebody else's problem you know my my parents for letting stuff happen my my so-called friends for bullying me, my siblings for rejecting me. All of those things were their fault. Mm-hmm. And then I woke up and realized that was 25 years ago. Right. What, what have I done in the interim to become a better person? Right. You know, and but up until that point, up until that point where I had my awakening moment, mm-hmm. it was somebody else's fault legitimately. And it is, it is yeah. somebody else's fault that that happened to me. Right. I was a victim. And then moving forward from that awakening moment, I had responsibility. I had to work to change. Yep. Work is hard. Work is scary. Yeah. And people that know their problems know what they have to do to do it. They haven't woken up to it yet. Yeah. And And there's a tremendous amount of work involved, too,
0: like you mm -hmm. said, where you can't just tell somebody, hey, bro, it's obvious. You just need to quit drinking. Yeah, and They have a monster addiction that controls their flesh and their psychology.
1: Yeah, And they have an injury them... that gets exposed if they sober up.
0: Yep. yep. Yeah. That they have to relook or revisit her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's more than just, here's the solution. Yeah. A linear
1: problem to solution kind of thing. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> so, yeah, that's don't give unsolicited advice. Now, I say don't, not never. When I first started the rule, it was never give unsolicited advice. But now yeah. it's don't give unsolicited advice. When you're developing a relationship with somebody mm-hmm. or it's developed and when you've made progress from becoming an antisocial introvert to a normal introvert, mm-hmm. <laughs> you can start to read people and they are asking you for advice without saying, Hey, give me advice. Right. And sometimes you'll be able to spot that. And at those times you can read the room and give the advice. Yeah, like this Where, guy's looking for
0: answers now. Hey, here's yeah. a podcast.
1: Yeah, and uh, I'm not sure what that right, was. You're right. Go ahead. Um, right. But anyways, the uh, if you if you read the room and you're able to give the advice, or if you if you are able to read the request for advice, um, you can you can give the advice fairly fairly well at the same. Sorry, I'm all. Tuck it up now. <laughs> um, basically you can infer permission. Right. But most of the time, especially when you're starting out doing this, just don't do it.
0: Starting the relationship, you mean?
1: Starting out in your journey, like to becoming more connective with okay. people. Okay. Okay. And starting out in the relationship because some people comport themselves differently. They they behave differently. It doesn't mean permission when they pause and give you a longing look, because if they want you to say something. Right. <laughs> that doesn't always mean tell me everything I, I need I'm, to hear right. to fix my problems. <laughs> right. No, I like it, man. Um, anyways, uh, rule six is take interest in the disinteresting. And when I learned this rule, it kind of made everything real for me. It Before this, I was learning to fake it. Taking interest in the disinteresting made it to where I actually was trying to go outside of myself and care about others. And that made it real, real connections for me. Mm-hmm. Um, taking interest in the disinteresting means when somebody's talking to you about, I don't know, let's say a book that they're writing or they wrote, and I'm not real interested in writing what's it about it's about becoming a better person you know taking taking control of my problems you know overcoming my addictions mm-hmm. those are all things that resonated with me um another example would be one of our co-workers i okay i'll, I'll preface this by saying i hate fishing okay i abhor everything about fishing okay <laughs> the taste Sitting out there doing nothing, drinking the beer. If that's, I, I think that's goes hand in hand with, <laughs> with fishing. I think. Right. I hate it, everything um, about it. Mm. But there was this coworker that I was working with, and I was trying to make a connection. Yeah. And hey, so what are you interested in? And that's one of my, you know, canned, kind of, kind of, you know, Icebreaker icebreakers. Icebreakers, exactly. Yeah. And he's like, man, I really like ice fishing, but I haven't gotten to go lately. Mm. <sighs> that sounds great. worse than fishing. <laughs> oh, great. I was like, man, it must be cold. What's that like? And Mm -hmm. if I hadn't asked him that question, I wouldn't have found out that he was an at-risk youth in New New York. And the only thing that he got to do in his poverty-level life was there was this government program that took him out into the boonies Mm -hmm. in the winter to this ranch where he got to go ice fishing. Right. And it saved his life, yeah. Because it t- showed him there was more to life than what he saw in the inner city. Sure. And in like that floored me. That like ugh, it's another fishing guy. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Mm. And you know, as a coworker, I don't have to have a super deep connection with him mm. to have a connection with him, but understanding why fishing is so valuable to him and being able to engage with something that I'm completely not interested in yeah. is it's important to make that connection with somebody to, um, to not fake it
0: mm-hmm.
1: to, so, Oh, you fish. Cool. Let's talk about fishing and fish stuff. You know, right. why is fishing interesting to you? And then you get into this whole interesting thing. Okay this interesting facet of his relationship with fishing. Right. And you can pursue the interesting part. So for you, it's improving as a person, becoming Mm -hmm. a better person. And I'm, that's a very interesting facet of the book writing genre, Mm -hmm. you know, fantasy. Great. Sci-fi. Great. Ooh, romance, Mm
0: -hmm. you know,
1: but no, this is interesting. And it's an interesting facet of the, picture so you latch onto that and focus on that and talk more about that
0: yeah so the conversation necessarily wasn't even about other than a just a real quick sentence on personal growth and development for the book Mm -hmm. or fishing because he likes to fish but you asked why those were important to me to him to whoever you're talking with because it goes almost away from the thing that you're not really interested in but it's still part of the package of that topic. And it lets you learn why that stuff is important to them and you learn more about the person. Mm -hmm. It almost takes it away. So when you asked me what's the book about, I was able to go into this deep dive about, man, I went to prison, I was on meth, like my life was a train wreck. Mm -hmm. And you actually got a window into my soul, so to speak, of where I've been in my life and why it's important to me. And it made it almost more powerful than, oh, you wrote a book. That's cool. Why did you write the book? Wow. Yeah, cool there's story, a story, bro. There's a <laughs> backstory to this uh-huh. that is really interesting. I love it, man.
1: It's good stuff. Yeah. Um, I appreciate that. <laughs> um, so there's some behavioral cues, like when you're talking to people mm-hmm. like this. And... Um, somebody that is in a conversation and only says uh-huh uh-huh yep uh-huh uh-huh might not be listening right you know they're not trying to interact with you and maybe that means that you should be toning it down a little bit like they're not interested they're not they're not connecting you're you're not making that connection yeah um another behavioral cue is they're always interrupting you that means that they're not interested in what you're saying. And it's not, it's not an insult. It's just, you're not, you're not connecting. You need to connect, yeah. you, need, you need to figure out what their values are and connect to them.
0: Yeah.
1: And um, mm-hmm. I just think that if, if you, if you find what they value, add value to it, don't insert your own values, all those things that i just said like you make a deeper real connection with people and it really helps make you a better person to be able to connect with these people yeah no i like that that's the cream of the crop is
0: you are now growing in your ability to connect with people and add value by being interested in the disinterested or the disinteresting or whatever you know what i mean right you are growing in your personal growth and development by coming out of your comfort zone, and carrying yourself in a way that isn't typical, but you're doing it for a greater purpose, and that's to connect with that person, and develop that relationship, and that's a lot, bro, that's like, like, uh, like Plato type stuff, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. in the sense that I'm very, I'm a very, um. one track, here, let me stop this and run another one real quick. I'm a very one-track, one-focused guy. And to be able to stop and realize that there are other people around me that have their own lives and they're their own person, you know what I mean? And these people aren't just tools for me or for my ego or for whatever, but they're actually real people with real problems and real desires and real ambitions and real hurts and real wounds and real hopes and aspirations and stuff, and to be able to connect with them is is apex human intellect functioning at its pinnacle point, I think, you know, Mm -hmm. and I think it's missing. I think it's missing. And um, no, I've gotten a lot out of this already, bro. Like, I'm gonna re-listen to this again. I I usually re-listen to them a couple of times because I get so much more out of them as a listener than I do when I'm doing them. And I get something else. And you can cut really,
1: the bad parts out, too, if you want.
0: Actually, I've never edited anything out of my podcast. And here's one reason. <laughs> because I'm an IT unsavvy, old, fat, white truck driver in the oil fields. And oh I don't no. do technology. Oh, no. Um, I say fat. I'm 200. <laughs> six foot 200. But some days, bro, living out of the gas station, you know. But Yeah, it hurts. Like, for one, like one thing clearly I'm taking out of this here is... It's my responsibility to figure out a way to connect with my kid and not expect that he connect with me or that connection is just going to naturally happen.
1: That's true. No, Nobody's coming to you for a connection. If you're looking for a change, yeah. you have to put in the work. Yeah, And most people go through life without trying to connect with other people, except for the the small close knit group that they already have if you're if you're at your age at my mm-hmm. age trying to connect with new people that are already set for people mm-hmm. you got to put in the work yeah and your son's a little bit different like he's not got his he doesn't have his close knit group already selected <clears throat> he's he's working on it though he wants it yeah and if you're one of them you're going to have a lot more influence influence on his future i think yeah no that's
0: that's a great that's a great caveat there is if you are willing to do the work and make the connection and the relationship you actually gain not for nefarious purposes but you gain an influential foothold into the person's life
1: yeah maybe to, you can counterbalance that one bad kid that he won't that won't leave your kid alone right you know yeah. or to be able to
0: steer and direct <clears throat> his behavior and the way he thinks and the way he behaves at school and all that stuff but if i'm just like the fist-pounding dad that i require this and that and i'm not really interested in what you're interested in you just need to behave somebody said this bro years ago uh in a church setting it was a pastor and he said rules without relationship breed rebellion mm. And I was blown away by that because I thought that's exactly what happened at my house. It was no connection, no relationship. I'm the dad. You're the kid. It will be this way. I'm not, I don't care about what you're into. And for me, it was like stupid stuff, you know, but for me back then, it was really important. Like my garbage pail kids, bro. You remember those? How, you're in your thirties. Do you remember? We're different? generation. Are we? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> man, it was, you know, just <coughs> whatever. And there was no, there was no interest in me as a person or the things that I was into, but the rules were always there. And if there's no relationship and just rules, it fosters rebellion. And I became a very rebellious, angry young man, you know? It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So I need to do the work, not only with my son, but now this has been good, man. Anything you want to add for rules or was that the six in a nutshell kind of a thing?
1: That was the sixth in a nutshell. Take interest in the disinteresting. Yeah. Just try, try to find, even if they bring up things that you don't like, you don't care Mm. about, you don't, you don't resonate with, Mm. ask them questions about that thing and find something about it. That is interesting so that you can genuinely engage with them. Yeah.
0: And I think other people, can sense when you're just being superficial mm-hmm. or when that real connection has just taken place exactly and that's a good thing to have because yeah. it helps people go you know what this guy's not just a gruffy tattooed guy mm-hmm. he's got a heart he cares he cares about me he's in this a real moment. person yeah yeah Yep. You know? yep yeah. people are more apt to help you <clears throat> help you and um it just makes working as a team at work even better you know when you're working with someone that you know it's not just i'm employee a and you're employee b yeah. you gotta do a job like this guy has yeah. a family and a wife and i you know i got to meet them you know at a at a, at a at a work function or whatever you know and whatever the case may be but
1: one more thing though that that selection thing that i was telling you about earlier how you mm-hmm. get to select your relationships you have you yeah. have a lot more selection yeah. when you when you are able to make those connections you also get to select the levels of those relationships so when you say co-workers you can make genuine deep connections with them without taking them home to your family. Yeah. Or you can take them home to your family. Yeah. You know, and you get, you get to decide how deep that relationship gets to go. Yeah. You don't just let, you you don't have to let them in because they're the first thing that comes your way. Right. You, You can, you can keep that a work relationship, but it's still a genuine relationship. Yeah. No, I like it for sure.
0: So, um, as we wrap up, man, I'm just curious to know, so you come up to North Dakota, but you're not, you're, you're a transplant just like most of the rest of us, right? You're not from North Dakota.
1: I'm not from North Dakota. Where are you from? Spokane, Washington.
0: Spokane, Washington. Okay. And there came a point where just like me, just like many of us, we heard the gold rush rumors like back in the 1800s, man, there's money to be made in California. But like this time it was all fields in North Dakota. So if you'd come and like plot your course and
1: yeah, so I, I knocked up my ex and I was making 10 bucks an hour. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, and uh, so I I decided this is the the year that I got the help for my depression, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: you know, and started working on my addictions and all that stuff. um, Is the same year that I came out here, knocked up my ex. Um, you know, just a real deadbeat dirtbag all around. Sure. And um, I got to the point where. I got my counseling and I realized I got to do something. If I'm going to be involved with my daughter's life, I have got to do something. And I did hear about the oil field. Mm-hmm. I heard some guy was making 13 grand a month out here and, mm-hmm. you know, let's go do it. Yeah. And uh, I came out here with $10 and a car in my name. Yeah. And I stayed in my car until I found a job. And I love it. And everything turned mm-hmm. around yeah. and it was, it was all, it was all simultaneous. Yeah. I, I immediately started making a good paycheck, hired a lawyer. Nine months later, I had full custody yeah. of my daughter. And yeah. and it was all because it wasn't because of the job. The job helped fund the lawyer. But the, um, the emotional progress that I was making yeah. before that allowed me it, it, becoming a better person at that time. Yeah. The, the initial awakening moment allowed me to be able to take full custody of my daughter. Yeah. And I'm grateful to this day that my daughter existed. Otherwise I might not have reached out for help. Sure. No, it's funny, man. The, uh, the things that we think
0: are the, are the, are are the worst moments Mm -hmm. end up being a catalyst to kind of launch us into the next phase of our life. I came up here and slept in my car, Bob, our boss slept in his car. Yep. Now he's a multimillionaire on paper. And, uh, makes, makes himself a good salary and runs a a, a great company. And he's always saying he wanted to be part of something bigger than himself. And, uh, no, it's good, man. Um, Mike, it's been fantastic, man. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to wrap it up and there was a lot of good flow there, dude. So we'll probably have to do it again, but right now I'm going to let you go get back to your family. I'm going to put these kids to bed. I'm going to check my tablet and see what time I got to start tomorrow. And, uh, I'll probably see you at the shop in the morning, man. Have a good night. Yep. Awesome, bro.